Welcome to Walk With Me, a ministry of Cornerstone Church. Hi, my name's Tori and I'll be your host. Sometimes when I want to make a new friend, I'll say, come walk with me and we'll talk. My goal for this podcast is that we as women would walk together and enjoy sweet community in Christ. The following podcast is from a recent event I did for young women called Let's Talk About It. In that event, we talked to the women about how their emotions could either glorify God or grieve Him. So listen in as I teach about emotions, friends, or foes. Have you guys ever heard the phrase like emotions or feelings are not good or bad? Who's heard that? What's wrong, guys? Emotions can be bad, and emotions can be good. It's not, they just are. They can be used for good, and they can be used for bad. I really wanted to call this talk, Your Feelings Are Liars, but I thought that wasn't very um, tactful. And so we called it Emotions, Friends, or Foes. So tonight I'm going to teach you how to be aware of how your emotions are either your friends or your enemies. I've been memorizing Philippians, and um, chapter 1, Paul prays for his readers, And so I'm just going to pray what he prayed for them because it's what I want for you guys. Paul said in Philippians, um, and this is my prayer, that your love may uh, grow more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Jesus Christ, being filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So God, I pray that for all these women tonight that they would be able to discern what is best by taking control of their emotions and using them for your glory. Pray all this in your name. Amen. Tonight, I'm going to tell you about how you can either allow your feelings to glorify God or allow your feelings to grieve God. And hopefully you'll go out of here. Here's my goal for the night. You'll learn to discern between your feelings that grieve God and those that glorify him and choose to use them wisely by letting the Holy Spirit work in your life. So, Let's see if we can get that done. In 2 Peter, I'm going to sit down. In 2 Peter 1.3, it says, His divine power has given us everything we need for godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. So if you have Christ in you, you have everything you need to be able to do this. I used to think when I was younger that I had really, really powerful emotions and that that's just how it was, that I couldn't control them. And guess what? I can. I didn't know that. And so when God brought a verse to mind, it finally clicked in my head, and it's Romans 12, 2. And it said, Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good pleasing, and perfect will. So you notice in that, we talked about, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. You'll be able to discern. In my prayer in Philippians 1, Paul says, help them discern. So what we really hope to teach you tonight, all the women sitting around you are older than you and have lived life longer than you. And so they're able to discern things maybe a little better. So they're going to teach you um, as you talk to them how to discern what is good and pleasing and perfect. When I was thinking about what I wanted to talk to you guys about tonight, I, you know, I kind of wanted to come up with, like, some cute, like, alliteration. I really like, like, alliterations, things that start, like, with the same um, same letter. Like, I should have called this feelings, friends, or foes, because that's all F, you know. But 
I didn't. And um, but I was trying to think of something cute and catchy, and and then God kind of stopped me and just said, "Just tell your story. Just tell your story. What were you like? How did God intervene? And then what happened?" And so I'm just going to tell my story tonight, and hopefully it'll save you some heartache um, that I had to go through, just so I could share it with you. And so, like I said, our goal is to to teach you guys to discern what the the bad emotions are or how to use your emotions properly so you won't have to make the same mistakes that I made. I'll start with my story. And so my name is Tori and I'm a reformed feeler. So anybody in here, um, would, would anybody in here classify themselves as a feeler? You know, more that's more of a female thing than, I don't know, does anybody have does anybody know any guy? I don't know a lot of guys that are feelers. I know a few. My husband's not one of them. Um, so that's kind of a female thing. God put, us, put it in us, but he wants us to use it for his glory. So, yeah, I have to say that I'm a reform feeler because that is a really huge part of my personality, but I have to put it under the control of my transformed mind instead of letting it lead the train. I used to let it be the engine on the train, and then my mind was in back. So my feelings led the train and my, my mind kind of trailed behind. And I found out that was the wrong way to do it. Um, and so when I received Jesus in my heart, I also at that time received a renewed mind. But I didn't really know how to use it. And so I'm going to tell you how that happened. In my childhood, I was a pretty naughty kid. I was one of those um, kids that ruined every vacation because I cried a lot. <laughs> I cried a lot and I was very sensitive and nothing has really changed, but I know how to use that in a better way. I was really unpredictable. I didn't really know how to use my feelings. They were just so strong and loud in my head. And so I just went with them. And that's not a good path. So when I came to college, I, I had been going to church, but I wasn't a Christ follower. I didn't understand about a personal relationship with him. I came to Iowa State and I, um, found this group called the Baptist Student Union. Well, the Baptist Student Union is a precursor of the salt company. So I'm really old because that uh, salt has been in, going on for a long time. In fact, it changed when we were in it. So my husband and I met in, in BSU. And so when I went to BSU, I found out that, oh, these people are different and they actually have like this relationship with God. They don't just know about God and Jesus. They actually like know him. And I wanted that. So there was a retreat in April of my freshman year. The guy that spoke was named Stephen Bush. And he just said, hey, you have to come and you have to come with open arms. Jesus will accept that, but you have to surrender all. And so I immediately thought, oh, that God can accept this naughty kid and accept me in all my ugliness. And so I just fell in love with him. And my heart was just enraptured. And so that's when I became a Christian. And do you notice when we, you know, I said my heart fell for him. And when we teach children about the gospel of Jesus, we often say, ask Jesus into your heart. And I don't think we should do that because really Jesus needs to be in control of your mind to be able to control your heart. And so we need to explain that more fully when we're explaining to children. Jesus needs to be in your heart, but he needs to be in your mind as well. Because in Romans 12, 2, it says, don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
at that time, I was 19, and he had captured my heart. Jesus had captured my heart. Brent and I got married when we were um, seniors in college, and, you know, he knew I was emotional, but, you know, those early days, he kind of didn't want to rock the boat, and so he did what I wanted him to do. Things were good for about two years, and then enter stress, meaning children and jobs, and then we kind of saw that, you know, the nice person that he thought he married wasn't quite so nice, and so... My feelings did kind of make me into a monster. It, it's, um, they were so strong that when we would argue, I would kind of fly into rages, and I would say all of these things that were not nice and not true um, because I felt like it. And so that was really damaging. Every time Brent would hurt me, I would put kind of a wall up, and I started erecting this brick wall. He hurt me, he hurt me, he hurt me, he hurt me because my feelings were so precious. I remember as a, as a child, my mom would say to my dad, like, Paul, you're hurting her feelings. Stop. You're hurting her feelings. Be more gentle. And so I kind of learned that these feelings were like to be protected and they were pretty important. When, when my husband would hurt me, I didn't forgive him. And I, I kept building up a wall because he had hurt those precious feelings. And my feelings at that time were kind of on the throne of my life is what I would call. They were my idol. And really, God needs to be there. But I had flipped that, and I had put my feelings up there. There's a reason that it says in the Bible, don't let a root of bareness, you know, like, like don't go to bed angry. Don't uh, let the sun go down in your anger. I think in Ephesians 4, um, don't let a root of bitterness in Hebrews 9, I think. Don't let that start, because once that root of bitterness starts growing, that divides people. And it, it makes you think wrongly. And so the reason things are talked about in the Bible is because they're true. And that's the way we should do it. I had erected this wall. I said, Brent, you hurt me and you're bad. Because you hurt me, you're bad. And that's my feelings told me that was true. Guess what? My feelings were liars. My feelings were liars. But I didn't know that because they were so natural to me. I thought that's how I had to act. And so I didn't think through how I acted. I just let it come out. And so that's why I kind of call it a monster. This rage would just kind of Tasmanian devil like come out. And then I would feel bad about it. But really, once you've done it, there's no putting it back. Yeah, my feelings lied to me. Jeremiah 17.9 says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? And so when we think that what we feel is the truth, we're often wrong. And Proverbs 28, 25 says, He who trusts in his own heart is a fool, but he who walks wisely will be delivered. All of these times where the monster was coming out, or I was thinking wrongly of Brent, or I was discontented with my life or my body or my friends, those were because these emotions were telling me lies and they really weren't telling me the truth. The truth of God is found in the word of, word of God right here. And so when we think those things, and I'll get to more of this later, but this, is, this has got to be your ruler. So when you think something, you have to line it up with the word of God. And if it doesn't line up, then it's wrong. My feelings lied to me. My emotions lied to me. They said that I couldn't control them. They said that they were stronger. They said that they were bigger and more in control. They kind of took control of me and 
and not only did it make me rage, it sent me into depressions and um, hopelessness a lot. And I often regretted it, but I didn't really know how to get out. And so it was my feelings that were lying to me, and I didn't know it at the time. Not only did they make me ungrateful, but they gave me kind of a critical spirit. So I was building a wall against my husband, and I was very, very critical of him because my feelings were telling me the wrong story. So that nearly ruined my marriage. I single-handedly, you read in the Bible, a woman can, uh, you know, break down her house, and, and she can either tear it down or build it up, and I was tearing mine down all by myself. And so... I nearly ruined my marriage, and um, I was incredibly unhappy. And I didn't really know why. I thought it was all um, everybody else. I was very self-focused, and I had a lot of pity parties. And let me tell you this, girls. You know that song that sometimes my mom sang to me about, nobody likes me, everybody hates me, I'm going to go eat worms? Who knows that? Anybody? Okay. Yeah. Things like that, you know, that's funny, but pity parties... Don't do it because Satan wants to get you there, and that's where he can make you think wrongly. He can keep lying to you through your feelings. So it's natural to want to feel sorry for yourself, and you can do that for a moment and maybe cry it out and then get on the right track and say, what's the truth here? So we're going to get into the truth, but I want to give you a little more of my story. So the lies told me things like, God didn't really love me. My husband just wanted to hurt me. I was better than my husband. Uh, my life wasn't blessed, and I was a failure, and I couldn't change. They told me all those things, and I believed them, and I walked around feeling like that. Why did my feelings lie to me? Well, my feelings lied to me because I had wrong beliefs, because beliefs determine feeling. If you write anything down tonight, write that down. Beliefs determine feelings. Beliefs determine feelings. And I had wrong feelings because I had wrong beliefs. <clears throat> My beliefs were all messed up, okay? So beliefs determine feelings. Um, that's really foundational right there. God is greater than me. I wasn't believing that, and I wasn't really believing that God was good. So when I was sad or I was uh, raging or I was um, comfortable in any way, then my feelings said, God's not really good to you. And that's not true. God is always good. He's always very, very good. And so I kept believing those little girl beliefs about I'm the victim. Um, you shouldn't hurt me. You're bad if you hurt me. And all of those are wrong. I was the victim and I couldn't change. So my feelings kind of became this big, huge thing and this idol in my life. And I held them to myself like a fuzzy blanket because they were really, really important to me. And if you hurt them, then you were the enemy. So I was believing lies about myself. I was believing lies about my husband. I was believing lies about everyone else. I was believing lies about God. And the reason I was doing that is because I really wasn't very grounded in this. I wasn't very grounded in the word of God. Now the world is going to try to convert you into believing the world, the truth of the world, but the word of God is what you bank on. And that's your ruler, okay? And that's what's straight and right. And so I wasn't very grounded in the word of God. And I kind of thought the commands he gave were optional. And they're not. They're non-negotiable. Have you guys ever heard the story about um, one man that uh, tells the other man, this is kind of what we do to God uh, because we don't obey his word. So there's landmines. 
And uh, one man says, okay, I know where the landmines are. I've been here. And so stay close to me and walk where I walk and you will live. And the word of God is saying, okay, here's what I want you to do. Stay close to me, walk where I walk and you will live. And I was saying, no, I'm good. I'll do it myself. And it's so foolish. It was so foolish of me because God knew it was best for my life. And I thought I knew it was best because I felt it. I was actually inviting unhappiness and death into my life and division by not following the guidelines that God had set up for me. So God intervened. I was on a really bad path and I was very self-focused and I didn't understand what God's word said and he intervened because he's sweet and he does things like that. And so God intervened. He changed my mind. He did that in a way that uh, scared me. So I was 33 years old. So remember, I'd become a Christian at 19 in my heart. And I was 33 years old, and I had a really bad case of mono, and then I got this post-viral, very strange neurological condition for about 15 months after that. And it was uh, kind of ironic, because I graduated in like health and fitness in college, and then I had you know, I thought I knew what to do to be healthy, and I thought I was in control, and I had uh, four kids, two, four, six, and eight, and so I thought, this is a really bad time, God, um, but it was a really good time, and I'm so, so glad that he allowed it. I wouldn't have said that at the time, but looking back, I can see what fruit was gained from it. He took my body out of my control. It was really, really scary. We didn't know what I had. We thought we had I had ALS or, or some kind of strange um, muscle kind of wasting disease. And um, I got so scared that I finally realized my body had never been in my control and nor had my mind. And so I ran to God and God kind of got me all alone. And he said, you know, uh, I'm going to show you this. I'm going to show you Romans 12 too. And so I read it and I was reading Romans at the time and I read, um, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And it just struck me, kind of like those light bulbs that go on occasionally, it just struck me that, oh, I have a renewed mind? Well, I didn't know that. I don't even know how to use it. And so, like a sweet, gentle schoolmaster, God just walked me through all these different studies and books and and. Bible passages and friends that showed me how to use that renewed mind. I'd had that there the whole time, but it was like a toolbox I didn't know how to use. So, you know, I bought this um, new set of knives several years ago, and it came with like this honing rod. Does anybody know what that is? You know, it's like this long. Okay, well, I didn't know what it was. And it came with this honing rod, and I didn't know what it was. I thought it was weird. Like, this, I can't cut anything with this, you know? So I threw it away because I didn't know what it was. And because I didn't know what it was, I didn't know how to use it. And um, then I really wanted it when I figured it out. But it took me a long time to figure that out. And in the same way, I had a mind that was renewed at the moment of my salvation that I had never tapped into because I was such a strong feeler. Some of you won't relate to this because you're not as strong of a feeler. But some of you will. It was such a strong feeler that I thought my mind, you know, kind of was secondary and my emotions had to leave. Yeah, so I, uh, I did, with a group of women, did a study called Breaking Free by Beth Moore. 
And what I learned in that was that my feelings were not actually freeing me, they were actually enslaving me. And I really couldn't be the person I wanted to be because my feelings were so strong pulling me in the wrong direction. So what I thought would bring me freedom was actually bringing me slavery. And so that was a fantastic study for me to see that I was imprisoned by uh, my feelings, the things that I was valuing so highly. And so um, they were so natural to me, I couldn't believe that they were wrong. That was one thing, uh, Beth Moore, Breaking Free, Lies Women Believe was a, another book um, that God really used to change my mind. And it's a book by um, Nancy Lee DeMoss. And some of the book, you know, I don't really endorse, but some of it God really, really used to show me that there was a lot of lies that I was believing. In fact, uh, Rachel's grandmother had given it to me, um, Marie Nesbitt, because I'd kept some guests for her during a wedding or something. It sat on my uh, bookshelf for a year because I thought, oh, I don't believe any lies. I did. I did believe a lot of lies. And the first one, the very first one, has anybody in this room read that book? The very first lie in that book is God isn't good. And it struck me because I, I believed that. I believe that God wasn't good. And I believe that he can really control my, you know, kind of rogue emotions. God became bigger to me. Um, I finally decided to study more about him. I studied his word. I read books like Knowledge of the Holy um, by Tozer, uh, Knowing God by J.I. Packer. And those books made God bigger and bigger and bigger and me smaller and smaller and smaller. So as God grew in majesty, he grew in power, and he became sovereign. And I became smaller and less significant, and that was really healthy for me. And so all this time, I had had this illness, and I was feeling really horrible. So this whole 15 months was God's training plan to push Tori down where she belonged and to make God big. And so at the end of that year, a little over a year, I started kind of coming out of the illness, but, you know, at that point, I'd fallen so in love with the majesty of God that the illness was of second importance to me. And uh, before, it had been all-consuming, and it worried me so much. But I trusted, I learned to trust God because I was so scared I had nowhere else to go. And so I went to him, and he showed himself greatly. So uh, as I studied the Word and as I did those Bible studies and met with really godly women, I realized that the things that God told me to do in the Bible, like the things I was telling my children, like, hey, do everything without complaining and arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault. Uh, I wasn't doing that. You know, I was telling them to do it. I was thinking, like, well, only complain and argue when I can't not do it. And so all these things, like, don't be anxious for anything, but in everything with prayer and petition, you know, bring your request before God. Well, I wasn't doing that because I worried about everything. And, like, respect your husband and um, don't be critical with him. Well, I wasn't doing that because it was too hard for me. So once I realized I had the mind of Christ and I had the spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, I realized I was just being lazy, and I could do those things because I had the same power in me that raised Jesus from the dead. I just had to do it. I had the mind the whole time. I just never knew it, so I started to use it. I'm going to just tell you some practical steps to help me continue in freedom. So God opened my mind to understanding that I could use it to lead instead of my emotions, and then he taught me how to do that for me. 
um, and some of the practical steps I'm going to share with you. So one thing that was huge is I learned about this word called prudence. Prudence is kind of an old-fashioned word, and it means the ability to govern oneself by use of reason. The ability to govern oneself by use of reason, prudence. Now, some of you will think, well, that's logical, like Becky Jones. Where are you, Becky? She's thinking, well, of course. But I didn't think like that because my emotions were so overly grown. So prudence was like an eye-opener, like, oh, I can govern my emotions with my mind and make decisions about them? Yes. And so I didn't really know how to do that, but like the, the, the words like that would be like foresight, caution, pre-planning, you know? Pre-planning your responses. So, um, and the antonyms would be like rashness or you know, maybe spontaneity. Um, not that those are always bad, but in this instance, they, they would be because I uh, would, would fly off in these rages because I hadn't pre-planned my responses. So prudence. Prudence uh, is the ability to govern oneself by the use of reason. That was really valuable for me to learn that, how to govern myself by the use of reason. I started to read things by Elizabeth Elliot. So if you guys want to get your head on straight, read Elizabeth Elliot because she just doesn't, she just tells you like it is. She does not sugarcoat it. She's just really good and tells you how you should think. And she says, the discipline of emotions is the training of responses. The discipline of emotions is the training of responses. Think about that. So if we want to become a good at basketball, what do we do? Nobody knows? We practice. Okay, if we want to become a really good cook, do we just watch cooking shows? Well, we could. But we practice. We do the thing. If we want to be um, in just in better shape, we work out and we get better, even though it's super hard at first. And so the discipline of emotion is the training of response. It takes practice. For me, speaking in a logical, reasoned way was not natural at all. It was like, uh, so I went to China last year to visit my son and his wife last summer. And guess what? They speak Chinese in China. So I tried really hard to learn some Chinese before I went. <clears throat> but guys, there's no foundation for that language in my brain. And so um, it was really hard. And it was not natural. Chinese is not natural to me. In the same way, thinking with my renewed mind was not natural to me. And we don't like things that aren't natural. But it was very valuable for me to learn to glorify God with my emotions rather than grief him. I had to train and practice. And those faulty emotions, they still occasionally rise. So that's my default. In fact, this last week has not been great. I've not been doing great, guys. But I, you know what happens is you're, you, you start not practicing, and then you kind of fall. And then you have to get back on the boat and say, no, I have a renewed mind. I can do this. And so and you have to tell yourself the truth, the true story. So it was kind of like a new language. It was kind of like learning a new language for me. So when I would get into an argument with my husband, then I would have to say things like, okay, I think he's trying to hurt me, but that's a lie. The truth is, he's had a long day, and he's not very talkative, and uh, he is just tired. 
Okay, or I'd say like, uh, I really don't want to fly with my husband who's a private pilot in the airplane, like Angie, whose husband, they have a plane together, because I think that something might happen to me and I think I can control all the variables and I'll just stay home. Well, the truth is God's sovereign. And so if I'm supposed to survive, I'll survive. And I need to trust God's sovereignty and his character rather than basing my feelings on what I think could happen. Um, and so I would take no risks because I didn't think God was really good. So those are kind of the lies that would be taking up my brain. So another thing that uh, Jody held, one of your table leaders, where are you, Jody? She sent me this thing um, from C.S. Lewis, which I thought was really applicable, really good. And so C.S. Lewis was saying, you know, pretty much Christianity is a ministry of reminding, reminding ourselves of what's true. He said the first step, okay, consequently, one must train the habit of faith. And when he talks about faith, he's saying thinking rightly, thinking rightly about who God is, who you are. One must train the habit of faith. The first step is to recognize the fact that your moods change. So who in here has ever used PMS for an excuse to be crabby? That's wrong. That's wrong. It's not an excuse. Just because you don't feel good, doesn't God doesn't say, oh, it's fine then. Go ahead and just spout off. He doesn't say that. He says, control yourself. Be controlled. This devotional said, the first step is to recognize the fact that your moods change. The next is to make sure that if you have once accepted Christianity, then some of its main doctrines will be deliberately held before your mind for some time every day. That is why daily prayers and religious readings and church going are necessary parts of the Christian life. We have to be continually reminded of what we believe. Neither this belief nor any other will automatically remain alive in the mind. It must be fed. And so do you know why we do things in church like communion and uh, baptisms? We do that to remind ourselves of the true story. We do that to remind ourselves that we were buried with Christ in death, we're raised to walk in a new life. And we see that over and over and over. We take communion to know that Christ died for you and this is his body and blood given for you so you wouldn't have to go and die for your sin. Christ did it for you. And we see people taking that over and over and over. And those things tell us the true story. Our emotions don't tell us the true story. So we have to remind ourselves by reading our Bibles, by praying, by hanging around with godly women of the true story. Because our emotions aren't going to do that for us. So God changed me by showing me prudence. He changed me by... Uh, helping me read really good books like by Elizabeth Elliot that taught me how the discipline of emotions is a training of responses. Um, he told me to remember the true story. Keep reminding yourself of the true story. When you come up against something that you feel strongly about, say, what is this? What's the truth here? You know, here's the lie. Here's the truth. Here's how I feel. Here's the truth. And so that took a lot of pre-planning. I had to think about that before I got into a state where I was going to be emotional. So if I knew there was conflict, I had to think about how to respond before I responded. Huh, novel. Think about how to respond before I actually reacted is what I used to do. So um, I had to use the word of God as my ruler instead of the truth of the world. Another thing he had me do was start sharing my story. And so I started telling women like, hey, you don't have to act like that. 
And you don't have to respond to your husband like that. And you don't have to think of yourself like that. And you don't have to worry all the time because God's a good God. And he can change your mind. And that can train your heart. And so sharing my story kind of made me be accountable. And so people would ask me about, like, how are you doing? And I'd have to say, like, man, I really stunk this week. I was really mean to my husband, and I didn't think rightly. But you know what the truth is? I have the spirit of Christ in me, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, and he can help me change. And I also prayed that God would help me capture every thought and make it obedient to Christ. You're going to do something at your tables with that verse later. Um, And I asked him, please help me capture every thought. So when I start going down a path where I'm going to feel sorry for myself, or I'm going to feel self-righteous, or I'm going to feel superior, or I'm going to feel worried, catch me and help me compare it to what's true. And God's faithful, guys. He does that. He does that for us. So um, I felt like God helped me choose life and make my emotions my friends by choosing obedience to his laws. He says to the Israelites in Deuteronomy 30, um, so they're traipsing through the desert. They finally got to the promised land. And he's saying, okay, guys, you're going to teach your children all these things And I want you to remember what the word of God says and what I've done for you. And so he says, this day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against all that I've set before you. And we have it all set before us as well. I set before you life and death, blessings and curses, good use of your emotions, bad use of your emotions. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. Choose life. You can choose life by using your emotions in a way that glorifies God. I still have to sometimes even write out or say out loud, like, this is the lie, and this is the truth. This is the lie, and this is the truth. Because the world is not telling you true things. It's almost like it's put a IV in your arm, and it's drip, 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 little bit, little bit. And it seems so innocuous and so not um, harmful. But little suggestions will make you think wrongly. So you have to be grounded And I say that, the reason that I say that is because you have to know God's word. And to know God's word, you have to read God's word. And to read God's word, you have to have a plan. So come up with a plan and get in God's word um, so you know the truth. You know, another thing that I started doing, I just realized, is I started memorizing scripture. Because I realized how loud and busy my head was with all these things that I was telling myself that were untrue. So I wanted to push those out by pushing good stuff And so I started memorizing scripture, and I really like memorizing big chunks of scripture because if you just take one verse and memorize it, that's okay sometimes, but sometimes you can take it out of context and use it for your own devices. It's really good to memorize them in context. So that really helps train my mind to think on the truth, train my mind to think on the truth. And then I can compare what my thoughts are thinking to the truth that's in my heart. The Bible says, hide God's truth in your heart so you won't sin against him. And so the bottom line is I chose to obey because I understood my place. I understood that God was bigger and I was smaller. It really wasn't an option for me not to obey if I wanted to be a Christ follower. Jesus said when he was here, like, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? It was really confusing to him. Why would we call him Lord and not do what he said? When I had called him Lord when I was 19, my heart was enamored with him, but my mind had not. And so, um, yeah, I started to understand that it was a matter of obedience. My emotions were a matter of obedience. It was hard for me, 
just like anything else. I mean, we do hard things all the time. We do things like laundry. Who does laundry? I don't like doing laundry. But you know what? What happens if you don't do laundry? It gets out of control, and you have nothing to wear. And that's embarrassing. So we do things we don't like all the time, like we work out, we diet. We say things like, no, I'm not going to do that until I get my work done. Or my husband and I fast once a week, and I just kind of have to tell myself, like, stop your belly ache, and you're not going to eat today. You know, because you just take control of your mind, and it doesn't control you anymore because you have a renewed mind that you can use. So we do things we don't like all the time, but we don't always apply that to our emotions. So I started to do things that uh, seemed really unnatural for me, but that glorified God in the end. And so I understood it was a matter of obedience, um, that there was no excuses. Moodiness was an excuse, hunger was an excuse, being tired wasn't an excuse. And so you know what I gained in that? Rather than feeling pushed down, I gained so much freedom. Because I wasn't controlled by these, this huge like monster that would control my every thought and make me do things that were wrong. So I gained freedom. Within God's biblical design and his parameters, I gained so much freedom because I could actually be myself and I didn't have to be controlled by my moods. The outcome, my marriage got better. My marriage got a lot better because I chose to actually live according to a biblical design. And I chose to honor my husband. And you know what? I mess up on that a lot. And so I have to go back and I have to say, will you forgive me? Because I have not been treating you well and I've been disrespectful. And actually, I've been thinking I was superior to you. And so um, I have to go back a lot. I mess up on that a lot. And I'm still learning. I'm better. I'm a lot better. But I'm still learning. I now can do things without worrying about them so much. I used to think I used to have to control all the variables. Like if I had a babysitter when I had little kids, I would never like serve meat when I was gone because I was afraid my kids would choke and die. So I always like served like, yogurt and macaroni and cheese, things they could never choke on. <laughs> so because I thought I had to control every variable for things to be okay. But God's sovereign. So you can take risks, good risks, and be okay with it. Also, I could control my moods. I didn't have to be at the mercy of my moods. I didn't have to say, yo, I don't like you today because I feel bad or I feel sick. Um, I didn't have to do that. I could just say, you know, I do feel like he's irritating me, but I need to be loving and honoring. And um, so I'm just going to say sorry, just like I would if I were fasting. I'm not going to entertain you today. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to treat him well. Um, and you know, this doesn't only apply to marriage or relationships. It applies to how you view yourself, like body image. And I was, as I was kind of reading Philippians this morning, I've been trying to read through Philippians every day. God said, yeah, they don't think rightly about how I made them. And so you need to tell them to train their minds to think about what I said about them. And you know what he said about you? Um, Psalm 139 Psalms right in the middle of your Bible. Um, Psalm 139 says that you are precious and wonderful and very carefully made. O Lord, you have searched me and know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely. And he goes on to say, um, my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in a secret place. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. So if any of you struggle 
um, like all of us do sometimes, like, oh, I don't like how I look, and they're better than me, and I'm going to compare myself to her. Stop. Stop it. And start reading what God says about you in the Bible and deciding that, yeah, I'm going to be a good steward of my body. I'm going to take care of myself, but I'm also going to think rightly about who God made me. And I'm not made like her or her or her. I'm made like me. And so I'm going to be satisfied with that. And I'm going to be obedient and think rightly about how God made me. I, you know, through this whole process of God changing my mind and showing me I could renew my mind and not be controlled by my emotions, it just made him so much more valuable to me because his power was at work within me. And that was super valuable to me. So I honored him more because I used my emotions in a way that honored him. And I could help people, you know, beauty from ashes. Where I'd really messed up, I could now go and help people. So I felt like, wow, I used my emotions for so many years to grieve God. Now I can glorify him by helping people. And so understand how to do it and how to grasp my mind to lead the train of my emotions. But sometimes I still want to put those emotions first because it feels right. So I have to keep remembering that's my default, but the right way is to let my mind lead my emotions. So um, I often talk to my kids about heavenly rewards because oftentimes I want to do something because I, I want to get mad or I want to be irritated or I want to criticize, but I don't, and I do the right thing. And nobody really knows that I had that struggle, but God does. And so one day I'm going to get heavenly rewards, and he's going to say, I saw that time where you really wanted to um, yell at that person who was really slow in the checkout line, or I saw that time. You know, all those things he sees that I chose to do the right way, he sees them, and he's going to reward us. He's going to give us heavenly rewards. So um, I'm just going to leave you with this verse that really encourages me, and it's 2 Corinthians 4:17. For our light and momentary struggles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. And so these things that we have to struggle with, our emotions, they lighten momentary struggles. So do you believe that? Do you believe that God is really allowing those light and momentary struggles, which seem huge to us, to achieve an eternal glory that far outweighs them all? If you don't, you should. It's true. You need to train your mind to think with it. So I'm going to pray for you guys. And then um, you are going to have uh, like 45 minutes at your table to talk to your table leader. They have a few questions, but if you just want to ask them questions about things you didn't understand or what does she mean about that, lie and truth, go ahead and do that. There's there's a lot of freedom here. So I'm going to pray for you guys, and then we're going to go to our table time. God, you're a good God, and you're good all the time, and you're good even when we don't feel like it, and we're, you're good even when we don't feel close to you, and you're good to us even when we're not good to you. And so, God, you've given everyone who's accepted you as their Lord and Savior, and that means just giving up our own wills and doing what you would have us do. Everyone who has done that, God, you at the moment of salvation gave them a renewed heart and a renewed mind. Help them know how to use that for your glory. Help their minds and their logic to, to uh, be first and help that learned, uh, that learned behavior train their hearts. Because, God, we want to glorify you with everything we are. And you made us, and you made, us our, you made our emotions. So we know they can, be, they can be used for good. Help us to do that, and help us to want to do that. And even when we don't want to do that, help us to be committed to you enough to want to please you. And, God, um, I pray that all the discussions tonight will be really fruitful. 
and that um, the women here would have learned more about you and how to control their emotions for your glory. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. Thanks for walking along with us today. I'd love to get to know you better, so let's walk again sometime, shall we?